Hey guys, we're going to talk about shielded VMs today. Hey guys, and welcome to the show. We have our esteemed colleague and frequent Taste of Premier uh, guest, Brantley Whitley, with us. Brantley, what's up, man? Hey, Lex. Doing well. Hope you are, sir. Yeah, man. Doing doing great. I see you shaved. Yes, yes, I did. It's <laughs> you know too it's, no shave, it's no shave November, right? You know that. I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah for me, Going it was no shave September, no shave October, no shave November. But uh, uh, it's getting close. I might shave. I'll just have to leave you in suspense. Yeah, yeah, go against the grain. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to wait till everybody else has a beard, and then bam. That's right. <laughs> hey, so uh, so you're going to talk to us about uh, shielded VMs today, and I have to be honest with you. I don't know the difference between a regular VM and a shielded VM, so I'm really looking forward to talking to you about this today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited, too. Looking forward to uh, covering the, the overviews, and maybe uh, we'll do a part two and have some demos for this when uh, I get my environment configured correctly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you and I... For, for people that are listening to this, we actually talked about doing a part two uh, before we started recording. So, so Bramley let the cat out of the bag, and that's awesome. So this will probably be part one, and then look for a part two to this later with some live demos. So tell us uh, a little bit about what a shielded VM is, and how is it different than a regular VM? So that's a great question. Um, if we take a look at our slide here, we talk about that a VM is um, essentially a file that runs on a hypervisor and it's easy for storage admins, VM host admins, or backup administrators to copy that file off and perform some sort of offline attack, um, many, many different avenues to uh, that uh, file and inside of the file from, from the fabric around it. So what we're wanting to do here is put a good strong separation between the Hyper-V admins and the sensitive workloads that we run uh, on Hyper-V, specifically things like domain controllers, because it's uh, impossible to audit all of the different types and ways that you could copy the file or inject um, code into a specific VHD file. So that's really why we're interested in shielding the VMs. Yeah, so it seems to me that one of the issues that um, I know my customers have had and some other customers have had with VMs was that um, you know, they weren't really protected. And our, I think our, our guidance has always been, well, you know, if you have physical um, access to any device, it, 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 it's got the potential of, of, you know, being owned and, and being compromised. And um, so, so it looks like this may be a way to kind of prevent some of that. Yeah, absolutely. And the, you know, the new, sort of paradigm now is that we're protecting the identity. Uh, you sort of assume that the environment um, is compromised from the get-go. You see that in Windows 10, Server 2016, as we're really into protecting the identity um, at this point. And this helps uh, a lot of that separation um, around administrators in different roles. And even if an, uh, a credential is compromised, we really want to make sure that we attest that the Hyper-V host is in a state that it was once it was attested that it would that there's no malicious code running on it and we can make sure that um, that data that's running on that host is encrypted and wouldn't be able to be powered up 
um, or accessed outside of a known, good, uh, attested, and measured host, VM host. That makes sense. Yeah. And then the requirements. You mentioned earlier it's a 2016 feature uh, or a role, and, and it is. And we'll go over some of the requirements here on the slide. Um, so there's TPI attestation, and that requires a TPM 2.0, uh, UEFI version 2.3.1c and above. Um, the TPM attestation is really the, the most secure. So we're doing measured boot of the host, and we've got a chain that we can use from the firmware all the way up to the OS being completely loaded that's measured and hashed. And that chain is uh, validated against a, a third party, and we'll go over the, the role that, that's measuring that um, and attesting it in, in just a few minutes. The host guardian service is in a few slides down, um, but we'll go over that. Um, but the problem here with that is TPM 2.0 is fairly new. So a lot of hardware um, that you purchased recently may not have the TPM 2.0 um, hardware in it. So there's a, a bridge here with the admin trusted, uh, which is essentially using a security group in AD um, for this service to make sure that you've said, okay, these um, machines in this group have been attested as best as we possibly can, um, and we're going to trust machines that are in this group um, to run shielded VMs. So it's kind of a bridge. The, the end goal is to get the, the TPM attested um, machine because that's the most secure. Um, but we wanted to make sure that people could use this feature now with the current and existing hardware. There are a few caveats. I put the link in here um, about some of the code integrity features that would be required. Um, so you can visit that link and check that out. But most uh, modern hardware is going to be able to run um, the admin trusted mode. Uh, the Host OS must be server 2016. You can use core or nano. That's recommended for the Hyper-V host. And the guest VMs, um, you can run them shielded with Windows Server 2012 and beyond. Anything beyond So I can Windows. run a 2016 server but have a 2012 VM that's shielded. Correct. Yes. Hey, hey do you know, and you may not know the answer to this question, but uh, I'm just going to ask anyway. Um, UEFI version 2.3.1c. Do we know what you know? What makes that different than previous versions? Um, the reading that I've done on that uh, actually last night was that there are some memory um, specifics on how memory is accessed um, around code integrity. Um, I'm making assumptions that there are things in it that would prevent uh, known types of memory buffer overflow and those types of things that were um, updated for this UF, UEFI version. Um, mm -hmm. But it, the, the reading that I did was sort of light on the details, so I'm not, um, you know, I don't have a list of, of all of the details around that. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. I just, I just wanted to see if maybe that you knew, because uh, I'm, I'm curious as to whether or not that would affect things like Windows to go, etc. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. I am not sure about that. Yeah, no um, worries. And then some considerations for performance. Um, the, the product group looked at non-shielded versus shielded VMs and noticed about a 5% density um, impact around running a shielded machine, which makes sense. I mean, we're encrypting um, the data and we're doing um, 
the actual hosts, the processes that run the virtualization pieces inside of Windows Server 2016 are shielded to. Yeah, so running things like a debugger on the host to try to spew out information um, about the credentials or secrets that might be in memory for a given VM, um, that's blocked as well. Cool. On to the next. And um, so this, these are some of the benefits of running uh, shielded VMs. So you get BitLocker via TPM or virtualizing the TPM. Um, you get hardened VM worker process, which is what we mentioned earlier. Um, that it's um, you're not really going to get anything attaching a debugger to the process. And then you get encrypted live migrations, checkpoints, replica files, as well as the running state and save states are encrypted. Um, with shielded VMs, we're going to block console access, so the Hyper-V console, um, and all of those things where you can drag and drop or, or copy and paste from the console. Obviously, that's a bad idea if you've got a sensitive workload running in Hyper-V and you want to prevent malicious code or administrators from accessing the machine. So we're going to block console ac access, PowerShell Direct, and the guest file copy and R uh, RDP. So those, those things are going to be blocked. Um, when running shielded VMs. So uh, somebody wouldn't be able to remote in? The, the um, let's see, so the Hyper-V host admin would not be able to. You would need to be a VM admin. So it's a okay. sort of a delegation, yeah. So, um, so if you, you would have, have to have admin rights in the virtual machine itself? Correct, yeah. And you would need to... Um, you would need to be set up with another specific role um, for VM administration if you needed to to access those machines. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yes, yeah. A lot of thought put into that. Um, and, and what makes all this possible, obviously, is the VM uh, host, so the hypervisor. Um, but the component that really does all of the checks and balances here is the host guardian service, and that's the unique service to Windows Server 2016. Um, that's a new role, and I pasted the definition from TechNet. Uh, the product team wrote a really good article on, a, on the step-by-step -step deployment, and um, it's a role that is installed as a secure cluster bare metal server that is able to measure the health of a Hyper-V host and release keys to a healthy Hyper-V host when powering on or live migrating shielded VMs. These two capabilities are fundamental to shielded VM solution and are re uh, referred to as attestation service and key protection service, respectively. So that's back to where we're talking about in the TPM mode of attestation. We're able to take information about the UEFI BIOS, key material in the TPM, registers out of the TPM, hash those as well as hashes of the bootloader and then the next binary and then all the binaries in the operating system that load all the way up until Windows is booted and then hash that again and have that as an integrity check that sits inside of the host guardian service and we need to check that back and forth and they're signed um, each respective party signs it so that there's good um, secure communications and validity uh, or, you know, to make sure that each host is doing the checks and balances and it hasn't been uh, modified in transit, so to speak. So it's a really good way to measure that a machine hasn't been tampered with and there's no um, malware or some sort of um, product that would be inter inter uh, 
messing with the boot process, uh, like a root kit or something like that. Yeah. And this is the steps um, that the host guardian service takes to validate that. So you can see in step one up at the top, the user requests to start a shielded VM. And the um, guarded host, which is our Hyper-V server, is going to look in step two and send information um, to request attestation. And over on the right-hand side, you have a guarded host, uh, guard, guarded host service running on a cluster. So there's a three-node cluster there. Um, the attestation service evaluates the validity of the host and sends an attestation success back to Hyper-V. Um, and, uh, and the attestation certificate is sent to the host. In step four, step five, the host requests keys for unlocking VM1. And that's right. sent over to the uh, host guardian service. Key protection service decides whether to release the keys to start the VM. And number seven, the keys to unlock VM1 are delivered to the host. And step eight, it's powered on. It unlocks the host and starts it. Okay. So that's a graphical representation of what we were talking about uh, earlier. The details about the TPM are not uh, depicted here, but that's, um, that's how the, the TPM attestation really works in the measured boot scenario for the um, guarded host. So it looks, is the host guardian service a service that we run externally that or that runs? Do I do I have to set up a host guardian service somewhere in my domain? Yes, you do. It's uh, you can install that role, and it's re recommended in the uh, deployment guide to run it on server core and it's and to build a three node cluster for high availability. If you're going with the um, the admin trusted mode, it's recommended that you set up a separate forest um, that's you know is pristine, similar to something like our ESAE you know offering where you have a really tight control over this because your keys are stored here. And if you go with the TPM um, attestation, I think you can stand it up in the same um, forest without having to do um, something you know uh, like a separate forest because the TPM um, is a hardware boundary and you're not relying on the software logical boundary like Active Directory. Okay. So and I said that I guess the three node cluster is because if we've got mission critical services running in and you know shielded VMs, we, we need to make sure that that guy stays up. Yes, you do. Sir, you wouldn't be able to power up your VM. So absolutely those need to be highly available. Uh, the deployment guide says do it on physical, so three node physical cluster so that you're not um, you know, you wouldn't want to run the three on the same VM somewhere, our virtual host. So three physical node, physical machines, three node cluster um, is the recommendation. And um, I, I also, I think we cover this in our next slide deck. Yeah, I took this graphic from Dean Wells, the, the program manager, has a really good um, talk from Ignite, and I, I uh, took a screenshot of this and put it in the presentation. I've actually got a link in this slide deck um, in the notes section. We'll put it uh, out on the web as, as a reference material, but this, these are the two modes that we've talked about in the admin trusted. It's um, fairly easy. It's a PowerShell command to flip from admin trusted to TPM trusted. So if you don't have the TPM 2.0 modules and the UEFI 2.3.1 at the moment, you can still move forward with the solution. And once you have 
um, the hardware, you can run a PowerShell script to flip over and use the TPM trusted uh, mode of attestation. So I think that's neat. Yeah. Um, really so forward can, thinking. You can, you can kind of move between the two. Yes. Yeah. And then you can decommission your um, Active Directory uh, forest and the trust that you have and all of your DNS uh, zone delegations and all of that or uh, conditional forwarders. You can remove all of those pieces and just move back to the TPM trusted. So you're getting a measured boot um, across all of your Hyper-V hosts. Okay. Cool. So really good stuff there. Yeah. So uh, we want to switch over and talk about some of the modes of, shield, of shielding. Um, they're shielded, which is our recommended uh, mode, because this gives you the most protection. You get the disk encrypted live migration. You get to use the virtual TPM to seal the keys. You get the block VM console, PowerShell Direct. Um, this really means that you are looking for security. You don't trust that your um, storage fabric and your network fabric um, are highly secured. And um, so that's, that's the shielded mode. Encrypted, encrypted support is basically um, the use case for it most often is you, you need to meet a checkbox for compliance for data at rest. Uh, you still get VM console connection. You still get PowerShell Direct. You get uh, RDP and all of the... Um, BitLocker. Yeah, you can get BitLocker. Um, you can get uh, live migration traffic is encrypted. And you can use the virtual TPM to seal the keys. Um, but you do get the, uh, it's more open, VM console, RDP, PowerShell Direct, all those things are still um, at, uh, at play in this scenario. And it's, it's less secure. And you're assuming that um, your storage fabric and your network fabric are highly secured. Yeah. Yeah. The only yeah. thing that, that, I, that, that, that I keep coming back to is on the slide where we had the uh, three highly available servers, the, the previous slide, Yes. There you go. The host guardian service. So if those went down, nobody could launch a VM, correct? Correct. Okay. And just, yeah. just making sure that we understand that. Absolutely. And Dean makes a really good case in his uh, Ignite talk about branch office. Um, and he had a really good use case. If you have um, a branch office that needs a domain controller and RODCs have their challenges. Um, there's some limitations, and it's really difficult to to use. And there's, it's just I don't know that many people have had a lot of success with uh, read-only domain controllers. So, in this scenario, you could deploy um, shielded VMs in a branch office and leave your host guardian service in the hub, uh, in the main hub. If the network connection goes down, you're going to have a problem rebooting. But if the um, machines walk away in the host uh, uh, the host guardian service is unavailable, um, then it's really you're not going to be able to boot those machines. So if someone takes a server from a branch office and it is a shielded uh, host, it's a guarded host with shielded VMs, uh, you're really required to have that host guardian service online and available um, to unlock those keys. Yeah, so that's a good point. So do we, do we just unlock the keys once? And then, and then it's unlocked until we power it down and have to unlock it again? It's my understanding in some of the documentation, and I'm not really crisp on this about what happens, but there is the initial certificate you get back in the attestation certificate mm -hmm. is valid for eight hours. Um, I don't know if that's configurable. I haven't 
completed my demo yet in my lab, oh, but um, so, I, so that's good. That's what that's that's good. That was what I was getting at. Is so that cert has an expiration. That is my understanding. Yes, that it's uh, eight hours, and I'm not sure all the details. What would happen after the eight hours? Um, but I do know that um, it's very clear if you shut the machine down and the host guardian service is not available, uh, those machines won't power up. Right. That's the whole point, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go back to the to the other slides. <laughs> yeah. No, that was a great question. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for the clarification because that is important. It's highly available. Um, you know, it needs to be clustered. And if you go with the... Um, admin guarded uh, attestation, the admin trusted, I'm um, going to recommend its own forest that you know is um, pristine and limited limited admin groups, so it would be outside of your day-to-day -day, um, domain admin group. You'd really want to make sure that that environment is, is super tight and pristine, And but the we're relying on Kerberos and a group to um, trust those VM hosts versus the um, hardware-bound keys. Right. So that's oh, I get difference. it. And, and we're also relying on physical networking hardware, right? I mean, we have to be able to get uh, to the cluster. Correct. Correct. But that's all, that's all good stuff. That's cool. Yeah. Yep. Um, so... Uh, that was all I had for this. This pretty much covers the, you know, it's a good summary of where we're at and sort of how all of the pieces tie together and um, recommendations. Um, so it's a good summary of the step-by-step -step guide as well as uh, Dean Wells has a really good talk on the uh, Ignite page. Okay. Do you have a link to, the, to that stuff? I, I do. Um, it's in this, um, in the notes section on the first slide. And we'll definitely get it out on the, uh, the additional material. Okay. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, Brantley, listen, thank you, man. This, this is cool. I can't wait for part two. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited, too. Hopefully, I'll get this going in my... Uh, I'm almost there. I'll, I'll get it going in my lab, hopefully, in the next couple of days. And uh, we'll meet up again and, and uh, maybe get a demo of what it looks like to try to start up. And I'll have some more answers around what happens after the eight hours and get some of those things um, reproed in an environment so we can demonstrate what it looks like if the host uh, guardian service is unavailable or we're past the eight hours and it goes offline. So get some good screenshots and hopefully some demos of that next go round. Well, that's awesome. So, so there you go, guys. We're leaving this episode uh, with a, a couple of cliffhangers. And yeah. uh, I can't wait for episode two so that we can clear all that stuff up. Yeah, likewise. Yeah. To all right, guys. So that's it for today. Um, thank you guys for watching, and uh, that's your Taste of Premiere.